Kongs Archons. Welcome to Sanctimonious, a Keyforge podcast where two zealous Keyforge players discuss various topics regarding combat within the Crucible. Stand at attention and salute your hosts, Sir Jake and Sir Dan. Welcome back to the 27th ever episode of Sanctimonious. This is your co-host Jake and joined as always by my loyal co-host Dan Johnson. Brobnar. Hi. Hi Jake. How's it going man? I am doing pretty well. Uh, Just getting warm inside after the first snowstorm of the year kind of sprang its head on us in St. Louis. So that was fun hey come on over buddy it's like 60 degrees and sunny here it was 60 degrees and sunny here yesterday so welcome to life in the midwest yeah i remember that life (laughs) don't miss it at all um yeah so before we get into this week's episode i did want to take a moment to thank our patreon backers um I think we said we'd do this every five episodes or so it's been seven i don't think we've really hit it hard but i think it is well worth just taking a moment to thank everyone who has contributed to making this show what it is. And that includes our, our backers on Patreon, also people that have uh, helped us in moderating conversation in the Discord, people that have submitted designs to our design contest and everything else. You know, this show is nothing without the amazing community of folks supporting it. Uh, both financially and otherwise. So thank you to all of you amazing, amazing, fine folks out there. Thank you, Archons. Uh, if you do want to join the ranks of Patreon backers, please feel free to check out that site. It's really just all the money we get into. It goes right back into the show. It allows us to uh, continue working on this and, and putting out a mostly weekly Keyforge podcast. Just one dollar. So this week's episode is going to be a little bit different in terms of structure. We aren't going to do our inspiration because this whole episode is going to be kind of a, a long extended inspiration where we just get into our first initial reactions of Worlds Collide being out officially to the public, events taking place. Um, and I, for one, can't wait to talk some Keyforge. Worlds collide. Insert explosion noise here. Yeah, so I mean, this is maybe it's just going to be a little bit more bantery than than we normally do. So uh, if you like it, this format, maybe give us a note. And if not, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled program <laughs> next week. Cool. Yeah, Jake. Jake, guess what? What's up, man? I played so much in real life Keyforge. Like my wrists got sore from shuffling. I've never had to shuffle that many times in one weekend, I think in my entire life of, well, in my entire Keyforge life. Um, yeah. Wow. I don't get sore in my wrist. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even joking about this. Like if I play Keyforge all day, like at a vault tour or something, I get sore like in my back right shoulder. And I think it's like reaching forward to the table playing cards. Did you get that at all? Mm, no, I don't. I don't know. Like we had some, <laughs> well, it's like, uh, so the game store I played, it has some like higher chairs. And so like people either sit in the higher chairs or you can even just stand at the table side. So I played a couple of rounds standing, which is kind of nice. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's get into it. Why don't you, I think you uh, really did a lot more in terms of organized keyboards. So maybe we should just kind of like go through your weekend uh, and I can throw some questions at you. But sure. I know you had a special guest come into town, so I'm just excited to hear. Yeah, how how everything transpired for you. Blake from Help from Future Self. Yeah, so uh, Blake drove down from the Great White North known as Canadia. I believe that's how they pronounce it up there, Canadia. Um, (laughs) And if not, who cares, right? America. (laughs) He's not here to defend himself. Him and his sweet Canadian twang came down on Thursday, 
showed up early enough to catch some golden hour photo time with the family. So that was great. And we got to hang out, have some supper with the fam and then jam some worlds collide that night and just have a really good time. Friday, we did some more family pictures. So that's out of the way now. So we go to our first release event. We show up early enough because we pre-ordered some boxes. So uh, the game store we went to is Uncle's Games in Bellevue. Very nice store and a very nice mall with a a very non-typical food court. The food court's amazing. It's nothing, it's none of your typical mall food. Like it's actually like little legitimate, like little restaurants. Like the food is great there. So yeah, so we got there. Yeah, we got there early enough to eat supper there and to pick up our boxes. So we're super excited. So we grab some food, grab our boxes, sign up for the release event. We sit down to open our boxes. I got to like slow myself down here. All right. Uh, so we start opening. So we take turns. Like we just each like one person opens a pack, reads out the deck list while the other person grabs a couple quick bites and then vice versa. And we just go through it. And uh, yeah, like we were joking like the night before, like, oh, yeah, like that, you know, the uh, tabletop royale guys opening 72 disc decks in a row. Like, man, that's going to that would be like terrible if like we go in and we get like all Brobnar decks or something <laughs> uh, <laughs> spoke it into reality didn't you <laughs> we spoke it into reality i mean uh, i had 10 out of my 12 decks in my sealed box and 10 out of 12 decks in blake's sealed box were all Brobnar. we got reports that i mean it was just it was like one bad case in uncles so like the night before they did a sealed review or a they did a midnight release the night before and like everybody got Brobnar, like just pretty much everybody got Brobnar. And then during our release event, it was again, everybody got Brobnar. So it was just like that one case was just heavy, heavy Brobnar. So like that was kind of a gut punch because I ended yeah. up actually getting zero Star Alliance in my box as well. That's a bummer. And I guess we should say for maybe people who haven't yet really dove into a World's Glide I think we're both of the opinion that Brobnar is by far the worst house of the seven in the set. Um, I mean, since I've had to play a lot of Brobnar, like, <laughs> um, I don't know yet. I, I can't definitively say that compared to like Saurians and Star Alliance. It's definitely not on that level just because of all the play fight reap abilities because Brobnar is still a primarily fighting based house. Sure. And I, I, I guess we should say that's sort of the consensus opinion. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely right I mean, it's not like the top tier house. Like you're not going to see a ton of Brobnar decks doing a ton of work in the like Archon meta. But um, yeah, so that was it was super. It was pretty disappointing. Um, I still pulled a couple gems out of there. I actually did get like one of my two decks that was not Brobnar as a triple daughter deck. And it's my highest rated deck. So that's pretty cool. On DOK, I was man. I managed to get it uh, slipped in past the uh, gatekeeper this morning to actually get what the rating was. Not that ratings matter, but I kind of knew that deck was going to be kind of nutty because yeah, three daughters and like three Titan Guardians. So um, maybe we should uh, make an effort to say what these cards sure, are. Sure. Yeah. So daughter's the new mother. It's just a two power elusive mother effect. So it's plus one to your draw, and then Titan Guardian is a Logos Taunter. He is a five one. And if he's not on the flank when he dies, you draw two cards. So I love Titan's guard, Titan Guardian. I think that card is a bomb. It's so good because yeah, like if it dies, you're like like it's the one taunter. You're like, great, it died. <laughs> yeah, I mean sometimes you just yeah. I, I the deck I've been playing with the most in Worlds Collide has two, and it it also has a Scullion, the discard from Worlds Collide where you play it and sacrifice another creature. And I've found myself like often being like, you know what? This is a good Titan Guardian out here, but what I really want is two more cards. Yes, definitely. So yeah, so that was a little bit of a punch in the gut. <laughs> Blake had managed to order two boxes, and uncles were so nice to him that they allowed him to switch his uh, his, his second display box in from for one from a different like a different case, and that one was far more varied so it was just one bad case in uncles but unfortunately that was the case that was used for all the pre-orders and um yeah all the pre-orders yeah. and then the sealed events so it was we got a, and, and we should yeah i would say we should note like there seems to be pretty clearly something going on with the distribution of worlds collides in cases i mean 
in my opinion, the guys at Tabletop Royal opening 72 disc decks in a row is <laughs> like, okay, that is not random chance. Yeah. Now, opening 10 and 12, that could be bad luck. Like, we don't know for sure. It could be, but, but based on the ca- the full case and everybody else opening decks and like it was heavy brobnar in that case like that case was super yeah. stacked with brobnar decks and even in, even going back to coda I, I remember you know people would had, had similar experience right opening all the same house sure. in, in a box so I, I mean i think it's a you know it's hard to say like is this like a problem with distribution is it confirmation bias or or is it you know something else yep or is it just pure random variance like we don't know for sure but regardless say disappointing if your box is all the same house when you want a good diversity yeah or just you know some of the new house <laughs> you got zero of them <laughs> right uh, yeah but yeah so then we, went, we did the release event we got th- we did a it was a three deck release or three deck choose one which is really great for 25 dollars. so super value there and then four o's would win a box and um, three ones, I think it was like three decks and two twos got a single deck. Wait, four O's won a box? Won a box. Like, like 12 decks. Like 12 decks. Wow. Yeah. Super cool. That's really good prize support. Yeah. No, the store is kind of insane for their prize support. That's why we, we like uncles. So thank you, uncles. But, uh, yeah, that night I got to support uncles. They don't have just Brobnar decks, you know, they have, they have more than just Brobnar decks. They have prize Brobnar decks. They have, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I got to meet a few people that recognize the voice. They saw the shirt and they're like, are you they're like somebody like approached you? Like, I've never seen a sanctimonious Matt in the wild. I'm like, hi, I'm Dan. Like, I thought that was you. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. That's so cool. Yeah, man. It, was, it was pretty neat. I think, oh God, I think it was Marshall. No, Gal, I'm sorry, dude. I'm blanking on it. Dad braining so hard. Um, that was like all of three days ago. So it's impossible for me to remember. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we played the release event. Um, I think I lost round one, so the dream of the box was over real quick. <laughs> I uh, I faced somebody that had a very fast untamed deck, and they just went faster than what I could uh, really take them off. But I ended up with a Brobnar logo Sarian deck. Um, and some of the kind of standouts that were really fun was the double ire staff. So that's the new artifact that says enrage a creature, give that creature a plus one power counter. It comes in with a pip, so I had two of those that I could use offensively or defensively. I had double skull in Brobnar, which is the assault three. After an enemy creature is killed by skull's assault damage, give a friendly creature plus one power counter. So that was super nice with like warded things. You could knock the ward off with the assault and then still get him with the skull, or you could just get around all the little elusive dudes and just make him bigger. Um, and then I got the Kalak Stonefather. He's the giant leader. Um, when he's in the center of your battle line, each friendly creature gains skirmish. And then to top it off, I had Pile of Skulls and Brobnar. So it was actually a pretty salty Brobnar list. Um, yeah, it sounds good. Double me- I mean, double mem- all things considered. Yeah, double memory chip and logos to really rip through the deck really fast. Double Positron Bolt. Um, let's see your standouts. Double Odiac the Patrician. Double redder, uh, Odiac's the one that captures one, and while there's amber on top of Odiac, they cannot, your amber cannot be stolen. And then double redder Gallum, which is the key increased guy, so play your opponent's keys cost plus three during their next turn. Um, and then I also had Spartasaur, which also actually cost me the first game. I played Spartasaur <laughs> into a board where I didn't have just dinos on board, and that kind of wrecked me, so I learned that lesson real quick. I also I lost the game the same exact way. Yeah, so. no. Let's, let's take it from us. Let's talk about sanctimonious. It. Yeah, no, Spartasaur <laughs> is a great card when you're like primarily dinos on board. Maybe if you have like one creature that's not a dino, it's okay to still play him. But if you're like heavy in another house, like Logos or Brobnar, and you play Spartasaur, that's bad news. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> so I was thinking about it. So my deck with Spartasaur is uh, only has four Sarian. Uh, creatures so it's a little light on them so it's it's pretty scary to throw it out there because you know uh, there's a good chance especially if i'm playing in sorry and i'll get outclassed on board so i'm like okay what do i do with this deck is it just not good and one thought is maybe it's just a card that i want to like hard mulligan for so it seems like a pretty salty first turn play well even then or if you can if you're behind on board 
and you can drop right, Spartasaur yeah. and then clear their board and whatever your non-dino, non-competing board is. Like, it can kill a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of people are running Saurians, though, because it turns out they're kind of good. <laughs> if your opponent doesn't have Saurians, it's just an all-star. But if they do, it's something to be very wary of. Wait, I don't think we said what Spartasaur does. We should do that. So I've got it right here. All right, Spartasaur. Saurian creature, six power, one armor. And it has the effect, after a friendly creature is destroyed, destroy each non-dinosaur creature. And then it has the fight ability, fight, gain two amber. Yep. And then when they kill any of your friendly creatures, you go, this is Sparta! As everything blows up. <laughs> or you kill them yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and... You have that readied creature, then house dinos, and you just run it into something to clear their board after you drop him. Feels real good. Um, and yeah, the one the one last card I'll put out there is the Compsos Herospex. So each friendly creature's play effect is a play reap effect. It's a creature, a dinosaur, four power. So I use that thing so that, like, say, Red or Gallum has a play effect. Your opponent's keys cost plus three. Um, in order to get that effect again on Red or Gallum, you have to exalt him with his reap effect. But <laughs> Compsos out, you can just use it as a play effect. And then Odiac, the patrician, becomes a Sequis because he's play capture one. So he becomes reap capture one at five power dino. So yeah, I won a couple games where I was able to stick like Spartasaur, um, Compsos, and just kind of protect it. But no, I won a couple games off of just sticking that. Um, my Brobnar, like I said, was pretty big and fighty. And then the uh, Logos just kind of helped me get through the deck faster. Like that was pretty much the goal of the Logos is just to cycle through the deck. So yeah, I went two and two. Like I, was, I felt okay about that. Like the deck wasn't super, super amazing. And like the first game, like I said, I completely wrecked myself with the Spartasaur play. It happened. So 2-2, two, two, got a got a prize deck. So that was super fun. Got home pretty late that night. And yeah, so that was release event number one, 2-2. Two, two, and then I actually played in a prime on Saturday. Well, maybe before we get into that, can I, I'll, I'll yeah. talk about my Friday event. Go the one event I played. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, my, my event was just a standard chain bound. I think there were nine people there, but it was World's Glide release event. So everybody with the exception of one player was playing World's Glide decks. And it was pretty funny. Uh, there were like only six of us there because a, a lot of people who normally show up were already in Indy for the Vault Tour since that's only four hours away from St. Louis. And right when we're about to start, the three three guys come in and... Uh, uh, Bobby, Kevin, and Jake, and they have each bought a box. So, like, literally, it's like seven on the nose. We're going to start playing. They all show up and start just like tearing through a box to figure out like what deck they're going to just jam in the event. It's a different kind it's of like sealed event right there. <laughs> yeah, big seal. So, that was pretty funny. Display box, open a display box, choose one, play for the night. <laughs> right, exactly. So, that was cool. And then and it was great because then we got some more players there. Uh, the deck I played is called Jinx Cecilia Boneyard Monk. It's Dis Logos and Saurian. And I was really excited to play this deck because it has some very interesting rares in it. So it's got the Spartasaur, as, as we've talked about, that I was excited to try out to see how that would work. It also has Lord Invidious, which is the Dis Lord creature, uh, which is a five power elusive that says, while Lord Invidious is in the center of your battle line, it gains reap, take control of an enemy flank creature, and exhaust it. While under your control, it belongs to House Dis. I mean, basically, the way this guy functioned in the deck is just like a five-power elusive witch that you better be able to deal with right away, or I'm going to start stealing all your guys. And it also created some interesting board states where I would capture my opponent's Saurian creature and I've got a Saurian board. So I had to make like the mental note that even though I have Saurians, this is actually this house this, but it's just confusing having like two Saurian creatures and having to remember. <laughs> yeah. So that guy is like really good, I think. And he single-handedly won me a game where I think I captured five different creatures and just, you know, called dis over and over. But when you've got taunt creatures and ward, it, makes him really hard to re remove on top of the elusive and just five power being pretty big in its own right. And then the last card I wanted to mention that was really uh, one that surprised me um, and now I'm t completely obsessed with and think is and, and thinking of all these crazy combos for is 
self-bolstering automata. Oh my god. The automatons are this card broken. <laughs> is crazy. So it has it's a one power robot with the destroyed ability. If you have any other creatures in play, instead of destroying self-bolstering automata, fully heal it, exhaust it, move it to the flank. If you do, give it two power, two plus one power counters. So it turns out that this destroyed means that the creature never actually gets destroyed at all. So if, for instance, it has captured amber on it and your opponent plays a board clear effect, the destroyed ability will trigger first, meaning that even if all the creatures are simultaneously marked for destruction, the self-bolstering automata will still survive that situation and not be actually destroyed, so it would maintain that captured amber. So I was just able to use this guy as like an amber sink, and it just became clear that this guy is just impossible to remove. So I think that that'll lead to some really crazy situations. In my deck, it worked great just as a really good sack option for um, Scolian, which I mentioned before. Just play Sacrifice a Friendly Creature. That's a pretty nice one. Um, so yeah, it was cool. A really cool card that I'm excited to continue to explore. So that was the deck I played. That card's going to make some salty call it right now <laughs> oh yeah it's well it, it was like because i didn't really realize going into the event i didn't realize the interaction with captured amber i hadn't played the deck before the event so it just kind of kept revealing how broken it was as the event went on like i didn't even realize in game one that i should have been just putting all my captured amber on that guy um because it's impossible to remove basically without like multiple board clears or something yep and i didn't realize that even if if I didn't have ward, a board clear, it would survive that anyway because of the fact that destroyed effects trigger first. So it, it exceeded my expectations a lot. I ended up going three and one in the event. Nice. The only, only losing to an error with my own Spartasaur and a failure to understand how good that... Um, what, what was the, the card, like the one that has the makes it have play reap abilities? Oh, the Konos or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Konos. So my opponent had Konos and a Buzzle and a big board. <laughs> so he just rule of six all over my face by instead of using the Buzzle to fight and sacrifice a creature, he would reap, sacrifice a creature, so on and so forth. And that did me in. So that was a fun interaction to also be aware of and, and watch out for in the future. Cool. Yeah, and I also met another person that actually is funny. He's like, I'm talking to you now and I feel like I should be driving to work. <laughs> so thanks ryan that was really funny oh yeah that's hilarious <laughs> he's like yeah i usually listen to you guys cast on my way to work i feel like i should be driving to work right now talking to you <laughs> that's pretty good that's the last thing i'll say about that uh tournament is uh the, those three guys who who came in and started pulling boxes were planning to after playing the chain bound get in their car and drive to indy through the night and uh one of them, Kevin, actually ended up making day two. So congrats, Kevin, go. for the uh, accomplishment and the commitment for getting to that vault tour. That is dedication right there. All right. So, yeah, Saturday morning got up. Uh, we had a prime. Um, did some more family photos with another family in the area. So that was fun. Got to share Blake's talents with some other family friends as well. We did that in the oh, I didn't realize like Blake was like literally taking family. Yeah, photos he's actually a very talented professional photographer. So if you need your engagement photos and or your family photos and or your collection of Lego photos taken, contact Blake. <laughs> awesome, that's cool. I like didn't get that connection when you said family photos at the beginning. Yeah, I was no like, worries. that's kind of strange that Blake was in your family <laughs> yeah, photos. Like, or like, we've <laughs> known each other since like, like summertime, and you know, just figured I'd have him in my family photos. Like, connected that much? No. All right. So yeah. So Saturday morning, we took took some. Yeah, we did that. And then we went to the prime. Uh, it was revealed that there is an eleven day hiatus on new sets. So you're not allowed to run a new set deck within 11 days at a premier level. So store champs and chain bounds, you can the day that the product releases. But uh, so primes and above, so vault tours, that kind of thing. There's an 11 day um, ban on those decks, except for if you're in, if you're going to do a sealed, because then everybody's on the same playing level. Because uh, yeah, there's a prime in uh, 
Canada this upcoming weekend that is a sealed triad with Worlds Collide Prime event. So that's going to happen. Go, Blake, go. Um, so, yeah, so me and Blake played in the Prime. I resorted back to Oppenheimer. I've talked about Oppenheimer a lot on this podcast, on Call of Discovery. So if you want to hear a lot more about that. But essentially it's Trips Ronnie, Trips Exhume. So Ronnie Risk Clocks at, uh, steals one. If they have seven or more, steal two. Um, Exhume is a disc, comes with an Amber Pip action. Uh, play a creature out of your discard as if it was out of your hand. So yeah, that works. That does some work. Double Ganger Chieftains are really strong in the deck. So game one, I go against a guy. <laughs> um, he's got a sweet Logos. God, it was a Logos Shadow something deck. And the Logos had a um, a Maverick Key Charge in House Logos. Oh, wow. So then um, he also had, I think it was two Novus. So the Logos creature, that action, you can um, archive a card from your discard pile. And so then Shadows had the Sting and Speed Sigil. You see where this is going? <laughs> he lands the Sting. He can use Logos to key charge, then Novu to put key charge back in his archives and do it again. So it was a really cool deck. Um, yeah, un- That's nasty. unfortunately for him, like it was all coming together. He hit his Speed Sigil, hit his Sting. I forged. He got all my Amber. I think he dropped it. I think he, man, did he get, he got one key charge off, but I think the sting happened after his first key charge. Either way, he was up at like 15 or so amber and he didn't have any big amber punishes and I managed to draw my too much to protect. And so I TMTP'd him for, I think it was at least seven or eight amber and then played a Ronnie to keep him up. Well, I guess I didn't even have to play the Ronnie because he had sting out. So then he couldn't, he just couldn't uh, pull the, the key charge combo. So yeah, pretty much I hit my first key. I went up to like 15 Amber and it was just a couple turns later and it was over. So I started 1-0. Game two, I went up against an AOA rush deck. Um, again, I think like he knew I had TMTP, but he just like his deck just goes fast. So he just had to go for it and just hope I didn't have it. And I had it again. So I think I got like seven or so Amber and he really didn't have any Amber control in the deck. So got to 2-0. and Um Game three, I went up against Merrick from Blue Highway Games. He runs the events there. So go check out Blue Highway Games if you're in the Seattle area. Really cool store. Did a store champ there. It's really fun. Um, and he was running kind of a traditional Coda kind of control. I think it was Dish Shadows um, Mars with double Yixlix Dominators, double Grabber Jammer. It's either single or double Grabber Jammer and like a John Smith. Um, and that game was pretty close. He realized I had TMTP. He kind of did a big turn where he went up a bunch. He had a ghostly hand. He's kind of hemming and hawing. He's like, Gal, do you have TMTP? Do you not have it? He decided to go as if I didn't have it, and I had it. So, <laughs> so TMTP. Like, Dude, that's that's my move. That's my classic. Yeah, so I TMTP just kind of wrecked my first three games. I started off 3-0. It was scheduled to go five rounds. So I'm feeling pretty good. I'm like, man, if I win one of these next two, I probably hit the top eight. And I'll feel pretty good about myself. I kind of discovered in that game, Yixlix Dominator is kind of an issue for my deck because Oppenheimer doesn't really have any targeted removal. And normally I just do it by fighting stuff. And I usually have seven and eight power stuff, but Yixlix Dominator is a nine one. <laughs> so I have to throw at least two guys into it. And that's kind of getting bad on my value end because I'm kind of trying to take over the board through fighting. So I was like, all right, that's something to keep in mind. So the very next game I went against or went into was definitely double dominators again. Double double grabber jammer as a John Smith. Um, Again, Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch does some work against John Smiths and Zookeepers. It doesn't matter how big your dominators are. Sucker Punch just, you know, sneaks right by them, punches them in the face before they really get to do anything. But that game was just super close. I I didn't really make any bad misplays or anything, but it just, those dominators, again, just kind of proved at the nine power one armor like yeah it just made it hard so like if you put anything like four and five power next to them i couldn't really get to it because like the sucker punches do so much for two power creatures but if you drop a four or five power kind of tech creature next to the dominators it was pretty tough for me to get through but it was a super close game i think we were two two i was kind of scrapping my way back into it he kind of got out to a early lead and i almost came back he just 
it was just a little too much on board. I didn't quite control his board enough, and it just, yeah. So I dropped a three and one, feeling pretty good still. Like I didn't like felt zero bad feelings about that game. Like it just that's the way it ended up. Um, so I go into round five. I go up against Sasha. Um, spoiler alert: the eventual winner of the entire thing. And I've played him a couple of times before, and I think I've actually even played his deck. I think we actually played our matchup before in a uh, chain bound, one of the the rare chain bound, the one that I actually won with Oppenheimer. I'm pretty sure he was running the exact same deck. Um, I didn't realize going through his list, I was looking for big steals and everything, that kind of stuff. I didn't even notice he had Brig. It was a Brig Time Traveler deck. And apparently oh, wow. I thought I misplayed at one point. And then after the game, he's like, it's like that turn that you didn't like pull me off check. He's like, that was such a smart move because I had binate rupture and interdimensional graft in my <laughs> archives. He's like, I wish <laughs> for you to pull me down to five because you were going to forge a key. Like, he's like, you didn't have much amber at that point. So I would have been at like two amber. So he could have bursted to like 10 amber or something like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of just played a little too fast there and went Brobnar when I probably should have went Shadows because I had the cards to pull you off check and I didn't. So. No, no, Dan, you're just supposed to <laughs> smile and nod for the podcast clout. Right. What are you doing, man? No, so that one was super close. Like, I felt really good towards the end. Like, I thought I had it wrapped up. And, like, when we played the first time, my deck just kind of ran him over real fast. This game actually was really back and forth. And what eventually got me is he got me with a miasma. Like, yeah, he got me with a miasma. Like, I'd, I'd sequenced all my turns correctly to keep myself in it, to keep putting myself in check over and over again. He was always able to just bring me off. And, like, my last play, I burst myself to, like, 9 Amber, dropping a Overlord Grecking, a Charette, um, exhuming a Shuler to make sure I had big dudes out instead of little dudes in case he dropped an Aubat or anything like that. And so I was up to 9 Amber, and I'm like, all right, I got this. Because even if he goes, like, Ronnie something, I think he had one Ronnie in the deck. I think he had Shadows. Um, I'm like, I'm still good with a Ronnie. Like he can still Ronnie. And I think he had skeleton key. So if he Ronnie's me at nine, that takes me to seven. The skeleton key takes me to six. So I'm like, I'm, I think I've got it here. And he plays my asthma and it was just enough to put him into check. And I just exhausted all of my uh, uh, Amber control and I'd reshuffled my deck, but I drew into like four Brobnar cards and I have no Brob or no Amber control in Brobnar. So yeah, so then I was three and two, and I knew there was still a chance that I could potentially get in the top cut, and unfortunately I got tenth, so missed it by that much. And then yeah, Sasha actually did end up going on to win, take take down the primes. We got that uh, world's invite, so well done, sir. It was very well played. He was a he's a great player. He's I've played him a couple of so, times. So have you got Sasha his like gift basket yet, or you're like courting <laughs> that? Uh, Sasha's suddenly most popular Keyforge player in the Seattle region. No, it was a really good match, and it was really cool. So Ryan, the guy that kind of said that he felt like he should be driving to work, his son actually played in the prime with him that day, and him and his son were facing each other in the 3-1 round. Um, his son beat him, and then Ryan still managed to sneak in ahead of me. So him and his son both top-aided, oh, which is super cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it was super cool, like... You know, who knows, maybe in like five or six years, maybe I'll have a daughter or son at my side at some of these things. And that'll be that'll be super cool. It's really cool to see that. That'd happen. Be amazing. So, yeah, yeah, I love, event. I love that. three and two. Got a couple decks. I got a prize deck, got some cool swag. I got the bulwark mat. They had a little prize wall for the store. So I was able to snag. Bulwark oh, cool. Mats. That was pretty cool. Um. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. There's a father-son duo that sometimes goes to the chain bound. I, I get to when I can. And uh, this was last week. I played the son the first round and it took him down. And then I got the dad in round two and he avenged his son. I was like, you can't take out one whole family. It's just too much. Yeah. And then I'll just really quickly. So Blake played his triple routine AOA deck that he took to a day two finish at Valtour Vegas. It was in his triad lineup. And yeah, he just ran into the worst luck. <laughs> he had a rough day. Round two, he was up against a Team SAS member in the 01 bracket. And on the last, like, so both games, the first game, Blake was in check, and the, per the other person he was playing against had a uh, key charge. And I think he, like, key charged from, like, one amber. 
So there's just like nothing like Blake had played it to the point where there wasn't really much he d- could do. The guy just had the bursty untamed turn to key charge out. Game two, Blake's in check for his third key again. Uh, his opponent battle fleets, reshuffles, finds battle fleet the second time and key abducts for the win. <laughs> oh my God. So that's brutal. Blake, poor yeah. Blake. Uh, poor Blake, but Blake, come to St. Louis <laughs> next time. You'll have better luck. Yeah, here. But he played the entire event out. He ended up playing against a sting heart of the forest deck with triple binate rupture. So they ended their game. I think Blake had a hundred, 187 Amber to his opponent's 86 Amber. I saw that tweet. Yeah, that is insane. And he lost the yeah, match, yeah, right? He lost because his opponent, I think, had key charge. And so when time, I think right about time was called, he finally found the key charge. So he key charged himself to two keys when Blake was still at one key. And so then when they do the time tiebreakers, they go forge a key. So his opponent forged his third key and Blake only forged his second key. So yeah, just a wow. weird day for Blake. <laughs> he's like, he's like, a rough like one. I brought a control deck. He's like, if I would have brought a rush deck, I probably would have done way better because all the matchups I had, if I could have been able, like, with the exception of the Heart of the Forest one, I mean, maybe still it works if he gets it done before the Heart of the Forest comes down. But yeah, he just he played a control deck in a land of where he got rushed, he got comboed, and those are kind of like the two decks that kind of give control an issue. That is the. Uh... Yeah, I mean, that, that's like the old like Magic the Gathering adage where it's like in an unknown meta, you want to be the one that's bringing the threats, not trying to control the threats. And I kind of feel like at this point in Keyforge, basically every meta is still unknown. Right. So no. I've really enjoyed playing Rust decks almost throughout the life of the game and had good success with them because, you know, you just never know what you're facing. It's hard to bring answers to everything. Also on Saturday, I met another fan of the show, Chris. So, Chris, thanks, man. Let's go, Chris. What's up? You. We took a picture together. He's like, can I take a picture with you? I was like, yeah, man, get over here. So, Are you serious? Yeah. You got a photo? Pictures. That's a that first. Was... Oh, and I also got my Red Bubble shirts in. So those shirts that we just had made from that contest. Um, yeah, Red Bubble makes some quality product. I am super happy with the way they turned out. They looked really nice. Um, you can see in our Twitter profile, you can see a picture of me wearing the Beehawk design V-neck, and it's super cozy and looks really, really nice. Championship design. Yep, and then I wore the Sanctimonious Community Team by Air Guitar Nation on day two for the Prime and the second release event I did, and that was a nice tri-blend shirt that was super cozy all day. And the printing on it's really, really nice, and the tri-blend kind of has the uh, kind of the black-gray fuzz a little bit, you know? But yeah. Super, super happy with those. So thank you guys for designing that. Thank you, Redbubble, for producing. And if you want those, yeah, redbubble.com. Look I'm going to give me some. I just haven't decided yet. There's so many options. I like the clock. For sure. All right. So while you were having an awesome time playing Keyforge, I sadly was unable to play, but I did get to check out some quality coverage and root on some of our sanctimonious community members and vaults or indie so i just want to give a shout out to everyone who played there and and did really well i know we had at least two discordians maybe three into date into the top cut and then many more just right on the cusp finishing at you know three and three four and two so So well played everyone oops sorry ben the monkey and skunk witch right oh that's right two difference or is there another one i claim justice blinded too okay we can claim him yeah team sass member (laughs) Frequent day tour, Justice Blinded. Yeah, so my day wasn't over yet. So they did. They actually did another sealed release event, another th- uh, three deck, choose one, four O's, getting a box. And like I was a little run down because like that was a lot of Keyforge for me in two days, like ton of Keyforge. But I was just like, well, yeah, we're here. You know, it's it's here. Blake's here. I've got the dad pass for it, so let's do this. Let's party. So, yeah, me and Blake played some Worlds Collide because they were kind of, they had a random sealed event they fired, like a, just like a $12 single deck sealed event they fired for people that were kind of out of the running after the third round of the Prime. Um, they waited for the top eight to play out, so if those players wanted to play in another sealed release event, so we had a little time to kill to get some food, jam some Worlds Collide games, which was really fun. And then, yeah, so we entered in late. Um, it was just kind of a weird timing, like nobody really knew because it was kind of, it was a very variable beginning to the final release event. We walk in, me and Blake, there's like a pile of six decks standing there. So I just 
pass him one, I take one, I pass him one, I take one, pass him one, I take the last one. So I opened the first two, and like the second one, I was like, okay, yeah, this could be the choice. Then I opened the third one. Oh my goodness. What to my wonderful eyes do I see but my good buddy, Ronnie Wrist Clocks, X3, three Ronnies. And I was like, this is amazing. It's three Ronnies. And I keep looking through the list. And there's two hit and runs. So a hit and run is a shadows action that you do two damage to a creature. And then you return a friendly creature to hand. Oh, yes. Ronnie jumps back into your hand and comes out again. If that wasn't enough, there's also a Bren the Fanatic. <laughs> Our friend Bren, who's a three power shadows creature, gives your opponent one amber when he comes into play. And then when he dies, he steals three amber because that's just who he is. Um, <laughs> on top of thief. that, wait for it. A thief. There's more. There's Avinda and Javinda, which reap to deal one damage to something. Um, hit and run, Brand, Avinda, or Javinda finish off Brand. Avinda would cause your opponent to have to discard a random card. And Javinda would steal an additional one, so steal four. Oof. <laughs> and there's also a Whisper, so you can just, you know, lose an Amber to kill your own Brand. Steal three. Not a bad thing. And the Shadows Rare Key Forgery. Because your opponent was having a hard enough time forging a key, why not, you know, make them play a guessing game to actually get to forge that key? <laughs> so Key Forgery comes in with an Amber Pit because that was totally necessary. When your opponent would forge a key, that player names a house. Reveal a random card from your hand. If that card is not of the named house, destroy key forgery, and they do not forge that key. No amber is spent. So they have to take a guess at what you have in hand and then pick a card out of your hand. You have to reveal it to them so they get a little bit of information out of it as they're forging their key. But if they don't hit the house, then yeah, they skip their forge a key step. That feels pretty strong, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Strong so card. Then it also had Saurians, and they're not awful. So it has double redder Gallum, so the key cost plus threes. Um, it has a city-state interest, so it's capture one on each friendly creature. And then it has a favor of Rex, which allows you to copy the play effect of a creature as if you had just played it. So hi, Ronnie's. <laughs> or hi, your opponent's best creature with a cool play effect. Or hi, redder Gallum to make their keys cost a million. Um... Yeah, it was, God, it was so good. And if that's not enough, so that's already, that's Amber Control in two houses, right? Then I've got Double Berserker Slam in Brobnar. <laughs> and I just figured this one out playing on TCO today, but Berserker Slam is deal four to a flank creature. If this damage destroys that creature, its controller loses one. It also has an Amber Pip. You know, in a pinch, you can smash your own Brend. <laughs> they just Dude, steal three. So many ways to get rid of Brand. That's uh, that's crazy. Oh, it's so good to steal three from your opponent. Like you lose one in that process, but Berserker Slam gave you one. So it essentially gives you a way in Brobnar to steal three. To call House Brobnar and steal three from your opponent. This one also came with a Mega Grok and a Grok's Brew. And just in case there weren't you know enough answers in the deck, I got the Guji Dinosaur Hunter. So he's the four power giant. Hunter, he's elusive, he's got an action to deal two to a creature, or deal six damage instead of it's a dinosaur creature or has amber on it. And you know, there wasn't like that many dinosaurs and or after, <laughs> you know, amber being captured on things this weekend. So yeah, yeah I opened nobody, this Nobody's like, playing Saurian at all. Oh my goodness, I opened this thing and I'm like, gosh dang it, Dan, this is like your chance. This is the chance to 4-0. This deck is silly. Like I could kind of tell looking at it, I didn't have any like super removal. I didn't have, you know, you can't have everything. I didn't have an axiom of brisk or anything to, you know, help with a big board. I didn't have, like, I mean, even a volcano might have been okay in this deck just to have some way to control a board. Um, so, like, first two games, like, it just kind of did its thing. Game three, I came against somebody that had a really cool Star Alliance Sarians Val Jericho deck. Um, I think they got me, they hit me with a red alert pretty hard. It kind of cleared my board and allowed them to establish their um, Star Alliance board with just all the house cheating, card cheating. It was like Val and Tabor. Tabor's the one that you can play, you can use or play a card of a different house. 
And yeah, they just built a board and I was unable to crack my way through it. I still got to two keys for Amber, just playing Ronnie's and doing different stuff like that. <laughs> but it was just I yeah, like every turn, his turn was so long because he had like eight creatures out and he could use them all in the turn and just play like three cards out of hand that's, each turn. That's what's so insane about Good Star Alliance. It's just like, yeah. wait, what house are you even in right now? Can right. You just like you just like play all your cards and like use all your things on the board. It's like s- sweet. Yeah. So I lost that one, and then I managed to beat Ryan's son, William, in the 2-1 bracket to finish 3-1, and apparently I made a pretty heady play in that one to pull him just underneath. He had the cards in hand to key charge for his third key, but I think I was able to do a hit-and-run Ronnie turn to bring him down low enough and to kill his untamed creature, because, I, like, I mean, you don't know their list, but... I was seeing some like his dad the night before forrowed with a triple ghost hawk, triple Senator Shrix deck where he won the final match, the three Oh match in five turns. Wow. What <laughs> the hell? Dude. Okay. So this is what's so exciting to me about listening to that is like you open this totally insane deck that, you know, you could, if you want to right, like pursue and like really focus and learn and, probably have success with at future archon events yes. from what you're saying oh yes and Amen. yet right like this is the deck that like if you're if this had been you know if you're playing this deck in a world's coll- or sorry in a age of ascension sealed like you're going to dominate the field yeah yeah there would be but it's, it's so efficient 11 it has but, 23 amber control and 22 expected amber right but in <laughs> in this event like you know, you lost a game and, and you had another super close call. And I just think that kind of like speaks volumes about what's so exciting about Worlds Clyde. Like, first of all, I mean, the, the, here's two takeaways I had. I'm just going to throw them out there. And okay. I, I want to hear what you think. The first is that in all the Worlds Clyde games I've played so far, like really, there are definitely times in keyforge up until now right of course i'm playing games that are really come down to player skill but there are also a lot of games where it's just like oh well you know i just drew the nuts and you know you're matched up poorly against mine but so far in world's glide like all of the games i've played have really truly felt like i'm engaged in like a battle of wits with my opponent where i have some opportunity to make interesting hard choices that are really going to affect the outcome of the game so i think that is awesome and then this all right why do you want to take that on yeah no so like nathan starwalt agrees with you on twitter he put out i think just the other day somebody asked like what people's initial thoughts of for worlds collide and me and him are seeing eye to eye on a lot of things um and that like the sequencing of, of plays in worlds collide is so important i think this is finally a set where maybe it gives a little bit more nod to the skill factor not so much just like the deck factor because i mean coda we can kind of all agree sometimes like one deck just stomps another deck i mean there's still going to be deck disparity but i think you can still sequence if you can sequence the cards in the right order you can really gain some big advantages in worlds collide just knowing what's in your deck knowing how your deck kind of works together like you can gain some incremental advantages that can really add up if you are able to see those kinds of lines ahead of time and set up for them right and in Age of Ascension, I felt like there was definitely like a lot of parity between the decks, but that didn't necessarily always translate to tons of interesting decisions to make on any given turn. Yeah, and like so, the Amber Control changed a little bit too. We've got we've got far less steel, or at least it feels like far less steel so far. I mean, other than my Triple Ronnie deck, but it's a bit of an anomaly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> um oh and let me just say i got two anomalies in my box i got a time quake in brobnar shocker and a nizak in shadows so there's that um, that's cool yeah so then the amber control in worlds collide is way more about key cost increases um, so we talked about the redder golems. They increase keys by three, and that's a play effect. So they don't even have to be on the board. But then if they are on the board, you can continue to use those. Ed Eye and Logos is a three-power creature that says Archive a card. 
your opponent's keys cost plus one for every card you have in your archive. That can get become well nerdy. acquainted with that card because yeah, it's going it's to be good. appearing in a lot of competitive decks. Oh, it's so good. I've got it in one of my really competitive decks. And I can the deck has an evil eye, infernus, rock grub, and hysteria. And so I can build up a pretty good archive with that deck too. So I can put out the Ed Eye. And once they deal with the Ed Eye, I can play all those disc guys on one turn and just eat all of their amber up. Feels really good. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's just like it's like uh lab work, that card was pretty good. What if it was also some of the best amber control in the game? A creature that also just sits on the board and has to be dealt with. No, I like an opponent today made me forge a key for fifteen because of an Ed Eye. And then play the knowledge's power a couple of turns later to gain like eight amber. Yikes. Yeah. So anyway, but like suffice it to say, like there are tons of interesting decisions and like, at least in my experience, it's been really fun to like grapple with those. It's like the match I lost. I totally, you know, I felt like, okay, like I got outplayed here. I made some mistakes. I didn't feel like, oh man, like I just got out variance or whatever. And like, it's so much better to feel like, you know, to lose because of skill and right. decisions. Right, right. Like that, that, you know. And then of course the opposite is true when you win. You're like, that's right. I've like <laughs> saw these interesting lines <laughs> get on my level. Yeah. Um, See, so yeah, I three one. I got three more decks and <laughs> I've maybe pulled one of my new favorite like Annoy Your Friend decks. Um, so it is a Starline Shadows Brobnar with Quixel Stone and General Order 24. And it has Scowly Caper. So <laughs> we'll just walk you through this really quick. Quixel Stone says, if a player has more creatures in play than their opponent, they cannot play creatures. All right. General Order 24 says, at the start of each player's turn, they must choose a creature they control and destroy each creature of the creature's chosen house. That player has no creatures in play, destroy General Order 24 instead. Um, this this deck's pretty creature light and is kind of ham, uh, heavy amber pip ready, and so it's really funny. Once I get Quixelstone out, if they don't have an answer for it, I can just make them only able to play one creature per turn, and then usually have the answers for it in hand. And it's really fun <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, sounds great, Dan. Remind me, remind me never to play with you on TCO. <laughs> No, I finished one game off today where I left a, my opponent played a Fangtooth Cavern, and so I just stopped playing creatures. So even if they did play one creature per turn, at the end of their turn, they had to to sacrifice their own creature. And all these are just like interact, like interactions and decisions that like you know we never have really had to grapple with before. You know, it's just like these pers- crazy powerful persistent effects that are going to like change the way the game is played and actually in an interesting way, not oh, just yeah. like a heart of the forest way. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. This is my most annoying deck since my heart of the forest decks. So sorry, friends. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, what is your problem? I, this is what I like. What? To do. I like to change the game in the most annoying way possible. Blake and Joe and pretty much anybody that plays with me on a regular basis can attest to my love for, just playing these weird decks that makes things really weird. But yeah, so I got three All decks. Right. That was one deck. And my other deck, I actually got the coveted lateral shift in House Sarion. Ooh. Yeah, it's a Sarion I, Star Alliance untamed deck. Can you see, can you read my like jealousy through oh, my, my like goodness. pretend excitement? Three anomalies. Like, yeah, hashtag blessed, blessed with Brabnar. Um, but <laughs> three anomalies. So, and this one actually doesn't have Brobnar in it. Our forgotten spirits from <laughs> Sanctum or House Sanctum are smiling down on you now. <sighs> it's really fun. I've gotten to play this one a few times, and it's it's not the best deck in the world. But man, the turn you play Lateral Shift feels so good every <laughs> single time. <laughs> oh man, it's like it's like control Sorry. the weak, but All you right. can't mess it up. Yeah. So I mean, it's Lateral Shift. It says, play, look at your opponent's hand, play a card from that hand as if it were yours. So you literally just get to take whatever card you want out of their hand, creature, action, artifact, whatever. And you get to play it on your turn, and then it's not in their hand, and plus you've seen everything in their hand, so you can kind of tell what's going to be happening over the next couple turns. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that card is absurd, and I can't (laughs) wait to open one soon. Please, please. It was funny. 
I uh, I think I had it in hand one turn. Uh, Blake played a Zenzi and got it all positioned. Or no, I let I let him keep a Zenzi for an extra turn, just so I'd have more options on my lateral shift <laughs> turn the next turn. Like I had a way. He's like, why didn't you kill this flank guy so I didn't get to draw eight cards again? I'm like reasons <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that's a good choice or not but it's hilarious um, that was the fun choice well i do think we should maybe start wrapping this up but i just i mean do you have any more things before we sort of get into the wrap up here that was pretty much it we uh that that tournament ended it like so we left we got to the store at like i don't know 11 o'clock that day we left at about midnight that night <laughs> got home at one Cracked open some adult beverages and opened his second box. <laughs> Looking at each that other, like, what should we do now? Want to play Keyforge? <laughs> like, yep, sure do. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a great time. Thank you, Blake, for coming down. It was amazing. Um, him and Avi are like best friends now. Avi was asking about him the like the night he left. She's like, "Where'd he go?" It's <laughs> <laughs> my friend. That's cute. Uh, so no, it was super fun. Super great weekend. Thank you, everybody that said, hey, yeah, I've actually heard of your show. <laughs> that was really cool. I think there's at least three or four people. And um, congrats to Sasha again. That was a great prime win. Oh, yeah. Uh, Super congrats to Sasha, my new favorite uh, world's <laughs> invitee. Hit me up on uh, Twitter if you, you're looking for a plus one. Um, yeah. Um, then back to Sanctimonious topics yes uh season two is almost wrapped up of the league we're gonna do season three it's gonna be worlds collide sealed adaptive how about that well it's working on tco already there's still a few bugs here and there but it looks like they're getting through them so i am in the process of opening that last league we tried to just group everybody together and just shuffle it up and go um time zones were an issue so this time I'm going to make four leagues. There's going to be four separate leagues. There's going to be a U.S. West, a U.S. Central, and a U.S. East, and then an EU league. And please just sign up for one. Um, I don't. I don't think we need people doubling up in leagues. If we need numbers, maybe I'll allow a couple people to do that that end up getting a lot of games in. But for the most part, please choose the time zone or time zone area that works best for your schedules so that you're able to get the games in. Um, and yeah, that'll be coming up. We'll leave the sign up open for about a week or so. And that'll give TCO time to kind of work out some more of the bugs. And yeah, so that'll be um, Sanctimonious Season 3. Congrats so far to Dave Cordero, who won the Latecomers League and has um, a deck box to show for it. Nice. A deck book. That's awesome. Um, last thing I want to do is give a major congratulation to my friend Justin Woodward uh, skunk witch on our discord for his second place finish at VT Indy. If you don't know Justin, he is a super nice guy. He is a fixture in the St. Louis scene um, and actually attended VT Collinsville, but at that point wasn't feeling, I guess, confident enough in his own skills or, or what have you to play in the main event. Uh, so he just went there just to play side events, had a great time there. So decided to take that plunge at VT Indy and managed a second place to show for it. So not bad for your first fall tour. Not bad for your first fall tour and really couldn't have him do a nicer guy. So big congrats. And not only did you make the Sanctimonious community team proud, we're claiming you because you're in our Discord. So <laughs> so there's that but also uh i know everybody in st louis and this the key for me here is really happy for you and proud of how well you represented uh this scene at indy so congrats one more time congrats, congrats justin. justin yeah all right so final wrap-ups you can find me i'm dan is someone d-a-n-i-s-s-o-m-e-1 on twitter and twitch you can also find us hanging out in our discord the sanctimonious discord which is always linked in our show notes and on our twitter page and in our facebook page and in all the other places that you can find sanctimonious jake where can they find you and i'm jake friedman you can find me on twitter at uh, patreon.com slash sanctimonious oh excuse me i mean <laughs> uh, jake freed uh, on twitter so thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sanctimonious. We will see you next week. 
Archons of the Crucible, our Dino and Starline's overlords are here. Prepare thyselves. Beware the warding. Get rid of the warding. Fight those exalted dudes before they use that amber. And as always, forge those keys.